for tuning in to the 408th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane, as always. Wherever you are, however you may be listening, I want to thank you all for making me in this show part of your day, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via. Being recorded from Buffalo, New York, per usual. Going to have a great pop for you guys. Going to have Zach Wilford, a.k.a. <clears throat> Mr. Zach on to delve into some NBA uh, college basketball. The tournament's going on. Didn't have him on the Sunday night pod. Ended up having JD, by the way. JD did a good job if you're listening to this. Uh, but going to have Zach back on for Sundays regularly and uh, talking about some of those games. I know he's a UNC fan, so the UNC episode over Baylor, that's something definitely I want to talk to him about. Also, he's a Bills fan, so talk about the Bills signings. OJ Howard, also Von Miller going to Buffalo. So, some topics to talk about with Mr. Zach, the OG basketball god himself. Uh, <clears throat> and before we get to that conversation, I'm going to give my shameless plug as always. If you are a first-time listener, thank you, but subscribe right now. Or follow. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below. Specifically, if you use Spotify, I have everything timestamped so you can listen to certain parts of the podcast as opposed to others. Folks, it's for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter at nitrate underscore lane and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane and you will find it. I post two to five minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my syndicate show outside the shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review for some odd reason, right? If you don't like the pod, then don't worry. Just take a page what your mama told you because my mom tells me this all the time. She says, Daryl, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all and now it's time for my monologues that my good friend kenny sims scouting expert for 241 sports likes so much draft approaching gonna get into a little bit of uh, the qb class just do another deep dive into it and then do a real big deep dive into the wide receiver before we get to mr zach so I want to compare this QB class this year with Matt Corral, Carson Strong, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, and all these guys, uh, Zach Bailey, to the QB class of last year with Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, uh, Matt Jones, all those guys. So in 2020, and by the way, this year's class is much weaker than the one last year with Trevor Lawrence. Uh Comparing the classes, 2021, I had four <clears throat> QBs with first-round grades. Those four QBs were Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. Uh, no, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, and Zach Wilson. Uh, I had Kellen Mond and Trey Lance with high second-round grades. In terms of this class, I only have one QB, and that would be Matt Corral, who I have a definitive first-round grade on. Carson Strong was my QB, too. The more I think about it, he's probably early second round, and that would go for Pickett as well. And I'd have Malik Willis in the second round as well. So we're talking about three. The top four QBs in this class, three of the four are second-round QBs, while 
the top four QBs last year were all first-rounders. So different caliber of class. So if we were to combine all these QBs in a pool, and this is just going off of each of their college tapes their last year playing college football, right? <clears throat> At number one, it would be Trevor Lawrence. Number two, it would be Zach Wilson. Number three, it would be Justin Fields. So, so far, the top three QBs, if you combine this year and last year's, the top three QBs from last year would be the top three QBs in this year's draft. Number four would be Matt Corral. So my QB1, the best QB in this class, will be my fourth QB in last year's class. Then number five would be Mac Jones. So four of the five top QBs of the last two years were in last year's class. Number six would be Kellen Mond. So now we're at five of the six. Then I'd have Carson Strong. Then I'd have Trey Lance. Then after that, you have the runoff of Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Kyle Trask. <clears throat> Not even close when you look at it in terms of the talent and the skill level. And it's not actually that maybe this class is weak because, right, can you pick it? Can be a solid starting QB. Malik Willis has a lot of potential. Sam Howell, I don't even mind completely. Uh, but it's just that there were a lot of guys you saw the elite potential and their games were more put together. Right, Justin Fields, the rushing, the deep passing. Trevor Lawrence, the greatest QB prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck. Zach Wilson, the arm angles, the arm talent that he has. It was special. And the only QB who has special throwing ability consistently from what I've seen is Matt Corral. <clears throat> Malik Willis obviously has oobs of potential, but he's still so raw. He's more raw, in my opinion, than possibly even a Trey Lance was coming out, which is saying a lot. Malik Willis consistently misses open wide receivers. Was one read, uh, played in the shotgun a lot. At least Trey Lance had opportunities playing under center when he's at North Dakota State. So there's just a lot of things. And even I think Trey Lance did things like he had a better pocket presence. And then needless to say, I think they both have very special physical attributes that both of them can tap into. But when you look at everything, uh, Malik Willis right project. So... QB class from this year, last year. You should have gone for your QBs last year, folks. You should have gone for your QBs last year, not this year. The amount of guys who have these generational talent and athletic abilities, they're just not flying around in this class. There's not tons of them. There's not oobs of them. Um, so now I want to get to this, the wide receivers. So I graded about 25 wide receivers. Those are a lot of wide receivers coming up in this class so uh, I got a chance to look at a lot of different guys I have four first round wide receivers in this class Chris Olave is my wide receiver one Drake London is my uh, Chris Olave is from Ohio State by the way number two is Drake London out of USC number three is Jamison Williams out of Alabama and number four is Gary Wilson out of Ohio State those are my four first round wide receivers Chris Olave was my number one. A close number two was Drake London. I want to get into these two and compare these two. The only reason I have Chris Olave at number one is better athlete, quicker, twitchier, faster athlete than a Drake London is, even though Drake London can do some special things at the catch point, big bodied receiver. Drake London is a uh, decent route runner, physical after the catch in terms of being a guy you can have a wide receiver screens he's almost like a running back when you give him the ball corners won't be able to tackle the guy snatches the ball out of the air uh amazing jump ball wide receiver every 50 50 ball it seems like he comes down with all the time he's a guy that can work in the middle of the field he's going to be an outside wide receiver guys that i think of are Allen robinson uh mike evans 
these big body receivers who can make all these tough contested catches. So I think Drake London's going to be very good. But what gave Chris Olave the edge was Chris Olave, uh, really good route runner. Quick, twitchy, fast, better athlete than Drake London, a guy who can beat corners deep consistently and not have to make these tough contested catches like I think a Drake London will have to make in the NFL. Those were things that gave Alave the edge for me. Also, Alave is great with scrambling with the quarterback when he breaks the pocket and making tough contested catches. Uh, can work the middle of the field. Like I said, he can also play the outside. Great route runner. So much to love about Alave. Alave uh, comparison. Stefan Diggs, maybe? Could be. Like, I, I think Olave's going to come in right away and be very, very good. And also, something that hurt Drake London was he had a season-ending injury. For Jameson Williams, he was a guy coming into this process that I thought I was going to have as my wide receiver one. As I watched the film and I got a chance to really deep dive into how Alabama uses him, Alabama does a lot of things to get this guy the ball. In terms of past Alabama wide receivers, he's probably one of the better ones. He's not better than Devontae Smith. I don't think he's better than Jalen Waddle. Actually, I'll say I don't think he's better than Jalen Waddle. He's not better than Jalen Waddle. I think he's the route runner that Jalen Waddle was. Uh, but probably better than what Henry Ruggs was. Uh, I don't know if he's better necessarily than Jerry Judy was. More talented, I'll also give you that. Uh, but still a first-round guy. His speed is special. This guy has angle-beating speed. And by angle-beating speed, I mean there's only a few guys in the NFL who actually have angle-beating speed. So if anybody knows math... In football, right, one guy's running, the other guy has an angle on him. They should meet and head at the angle, correct? He has the speed to where he outruns an angle. On fast guys, by the way, he did that consistently against George and other games. He's an amazing deep threat wide receiver. He's really hard. His acceleration is truly special. He'll come to the NFL and be one of the fastest guys in the league. Uh, obviously, he had a season-ending injury in the championship game. I think it was an ACL, uh, so he's going to have a recovery timetable, but everything checks out the short area quickness. Uh, could have better hands. I would like to see him be more physical, but ultra-talented guy. You can use him in motion. You can have him use wide receiver screens. A lot of different stuff you can play around with a Jamison Williams. Uh, number four, Garrett Wilson. I don't understand why people are saying that uh, Garrett Wilson is better than Chris Olave. Garrett Wilson is not. And by the way, I still have a first-round grade on Garrett Wilson. Maybe a lower in the first-round grade. Not an upper half of the draft grade like I do with Olave. But Garrett Wilson's a talent. I want to say that. But let me get into this. He's not the route runner that Olave is. I thought Garrett Wilson struggled with physicality, presses, and jams at the line of scrimmage uh, with corners. We saw that specifically in the Michigan game where he could, he, at times, he struggled to really get off a press, man. And it's like, wow. I don't know if he can be a true number one receiver. I think he's maybe a true number two receiver with gadget ability. You can use him in space and all these different areas where maybe he's not that true down-to-down uh, 400, 500 snaps a year, how many snaps you have on your team, number one wide receiver. I don't think he's that, but I still think he's a first-round talent. His quickness, athleticism, he's a guy you can use in kick and punt returns as well with his speed, his ability to make you miss. He has great hips and wiggle, good hands, can make occasional jump ball catches. I just don't see number one traits consistently day in and day out. Doesn't mean he can't do that. I just think he's more of a number two with elite weapon, quote-unquote, potential. So those are my top four wide receivers. Then after that, I'll get to my other guys. Number five is John Michi, the third out of Alabama. Number six is Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati. Number seven is Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. Eight is Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. Number nine is Calvin Austin, the third out of Memphis. Number 10 is Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. I know when a lot of people see Traylon Burks, they might be like, Daryl, you see him probably on a lot of wide receiver boards as, you know, one of the best guys 
in this class. People will have him in the first round. People will have him as their wide receiver one, I'm sure. Here's what I'll tell you about Traylon Burks. He can't run. Consistently, I saw him not be able to run. I think he's a better guy when he gets ahead of steam and he can accelerate. He's faster than he is. His 40 time wasn't that great either. I also have concerns about his body. He's like, what, 6'4", 6'5", 225 pounds. If you look at him with his shirt off, well, this is what people have said, it doesn't look like that sculpted Greek Adonis body that you would think a wide receiver is. Kind of has a little bit of a dad bod, maybe slight little beer belly going on, and he has the type of body where, like, as a wide receiver, he can come back in offseason, and then he's a tight end, and he weighs 245 pounds, which you don't want. He's a guy that's always going to have to consistently watch his diet and what and what he eats, uh, and maybe and work around staying near his playing weight, else he could blow up, which is always a concern when you have it, because you don't see that a lot happen for wide receivers, but he's a guy who could gain a lot of weight and maybe eat himself out of the league, so that's a concern. Also, for a guy that isn't a burner, doesn't have speed, can't really separate, which were some issues with Drake London, too. It's my number two wide receiver, but here's the difference. Drake London's coming down with all these tough contested catches, and I think he has more wiggle, better hips, uh, than a, and, and better deep speed, obviously, too, than a Traylon Burks. But Traylon Burks, he's not coming down with every 50-50 ball. I would say more times than not, he wasn't coming away with the tough contested catches. It doesn't mean he can't flip that script in the NFL. I just wasn't seeing that when I was watching the tape. So that was a concern. Also, Arkansas did a lot of things to get him the ball, whether it was using him in motion in the backfield, just consistently doing game plan specific things to say, hey, we're going to get this guy the ball. And it's like, I don't know if that's always going to be the case in the NFL. I don't know if he can be an every down wide receiver in the NFL as a true number one. I, I don't see that. I, I really don't. Uh, and in fact, he's a guy that if he busted, I wouldn't be completely shocked. Not saying I'm predicting it, but I definitely for sure don't see number one. And I wouldn't be shocked if he busted. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I root for everybody. Just my opinion when you look at the player. Uh, but he's strong. He's hard to tackle. Uh, and he does have good acceleration when he gets ahead of steam. I just don't know if you can always get in positions where you're going to see that ahead of steam. But the twitchiness and the quickness is just not there. And he's also, he's physical. He's a physical wide receiver, and he's almost too physical to the point where he'll get offensive pass interferences on himself. So there, that's my whole spiel on Traylon Burks, the wide receiver out of Arkansas. Number 11, George Pickens, Georgia. Only played five games this year. Was a tough guy to evaluate. Number 12, Wandell Robinson out of Kentucky. Number 13, David Bell out of Purdue. Number 14, Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama. Number 15, Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. Number 16, Khalil Shakir out of Boise State. At number 17, Romeo Dobbs out of Nevada. At number 18, Viles Jones Jr. out of Tennessee. At number 19, Bo Melton out of Rutgers. Number 20, Reggie Robinson Jr. out of SMU. Number 21, Tyquan Thornton out of Baylor. Uh, number 22, Justin Ross out of Clemson. Number 23, Dontario Drummond out of Ole Miss. Number 24, Danny Gray out of SMU. Number 25, Slade Bolden out of Alabama. And number 26, Ty uh, Fogel out of Indiana. Those were my 26 guys that I got a chance to evaluate. Uh, so here's, I'm going to give you a lay down of these other guys. Uh, <clears throat> here are the potential superstars in this class. And I'm not counting the top four. The Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Drake London, and Jameson Winston. I'm not counting the top four when I say this. Here are the guys with the superstar potential. Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. 6'4", 208. I believe is 40. And his broad jump, his high jump, all were top percentile. People have physically compared him to a Calvin Johnson. Uh, freak of nature. When you watch him play, you're like, oh my gosh, 
the twitchiness, the explosiveness, the movement, like, is this real? Like, what the F? That's what I was thinking. Like, this guy is raw. And it's and it's crazy about North Dakota State because they've had Drabil Cox, a guy who was a transfer to LSU, but really quick, uh, twitchy, rangy guy, Trey Lance, uh, Carson Wentz, who has a lot of physical talent. What's with this double-A school in North Dakota State getting all these freaks? Like, are all these guys were just guys that played different positions and they just got them converged in North Dakota State? Just something that I've noticed. But Christian Watson... He's a freak of nature. Uh, how good he is is depending on how much he wants to work. He gets in the, with the right coaching, and he could be a superstar. He could be the best wide receiver in this class in terms of talent. Alec Pierce, number he was my number six wide receiver in the class. Uh, really good route runner. Very good speed. Uh, good agility. Good jump ball guy. Great hands. He's a guy who could be a Cooper Cup. Or Adam Thielen, I know I'm comparing him to, you know, white guy, white guy, I'm comparing him to all these other white guys, but uh, he has that type of ability, really underrated speed, and I didn't realize he was as big of a man, uh, because a lot of times when you look at these guys, and there's always stereotype, you know, these white guy slot wide receivers, and people have that stereotype of like a Cooper Cup, when you realize Cooper Cup's a big man. And that's why Cooper Cup's able to block at the line of scrimmage and block the ends. And similarly, that's what Alec Pierce can do. Alec Pierce is a phenomenal blocker. So I'm looking and I'm like, okay. And by the way, his quarterback, Desmond Ritter, wasn't special. Desmond Ritter is not a high-level thrower. So I'm like, if you get him with the right quarterback, Alec Pierce, we could be looking at a couple years, and he's having multiple 1,000-yard seasons. Uh, he's a bigger man than you think. He is 6'3", and I over 200 pounds thick, strong, and the way he's knocking dudes over in the blocking game lets you know when he gets his hands on you physically, he's stronger than you think. Uh, number 11, George Pickens out of Georgia. Uh, he has the body. He has the pedigree. Just need to, He needs just need to get some more reps. I need to see him play. Georgia plays an archaic offense, so it's also hard to grade him, but he's a guy that has some superstar potential there as well. Then you get to the guys who are can be really good slot guys in your offense, good chain movers. Uh, Wondell Robinson has really good speed, quickness, twitchiness, also a very willing blocker for being 5'8", 175. Uh, he was my number 12 wide receiver. My number 7 wide receiver was Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. Strong hands, thick, compact, has nice speed. Uh, I think he'll be ready to go from day one and be one of the best slot receivers, one of the better slot receivers, at least in the NFL. Uh, and number 13, David Bell, kind of like a Jahan Dotson, just doesn't have the speed. Number 14, a Jalen Tolbert, smooth operator, great route runner, good hips. He's going to be really good for a long time, folks. Uh, number 15, Sky Moore, quickness, athletic ability, twitchy. Don't love his physicality. That's a concern. Number 16, Khalil Shakir. Uh, good route runner, quick. Uh, number 25, Slade Bolden out of Alabama. Uh, probably a backup slot receiver, but slot receiver nonetheless. Probably a guy who's going to have to get good on special teams to stick around in the NFL. Just my thoughts on that. Here are your speed guys. Uh, Velas Jones Jr. out of Tennessee can fly. Bull Melton out of Rutgers. He was my number 19. Velas was my 18 overall wide receiver. Bo Melton was my number 19. Uh, then we have Taekwon Thornton, who was number 20. Taekwon Thornton, who was my number 21 wide receiver. 24, Danny Gray out of SMU. These are all my top speed guys. If you got, if your team needs a speed guy, a guy to take the top, to de take the top off of a defense, be kind of like that Michael Hardman in an offense, be a guy who can do kick return slash punt return duty. These guys are it. Their speed, 4-3, Low 4-3, high 
four fours, you know, guys who are burners. Uh, then we get into the jump ball guys. Justin Ross out of Clemson, who's my number 22 overall guy. Uh, Ty Forgol out of Indiana, who's my number 32 overall wide receiver. She's my number 25th overall. No, 26. Excuse me. He was my number 26 overall wide receiver. Uh, Romeo Dobbs out of Nevada was my number 17th overall wide receiver. And uh, my number 23rd was Dontario Drummond out of Ole Miss. These are my jump ball possession wide receivers in this class. So if your team needs that aspect in their offense, just a guy, you know, maybe can keep the chains moving from the outside, make these tough contested jump balls, that would be your guys. But my top four, my first rounders are Jameson Williams, uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Drake London. So just my thoughts on this wide receiver class. I'll probably get into the running back sometime. Next week, I just finished up the running backs, and I'm scouting the offensive line right now, so interior and offensive tackles. So that will be fun, and I'll have that done by next week as well. So you guys can hear my thoughts on that. But if you need a slot, you know the slot guys. You need a possession receiver. You know the possession receivers. If you want some guys who could potentially be stars, you know the stars, and you want my top four, my first rounders, I gave you my first rounders. So that's my thoughts on the wide receiver class. So coming up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have Zach Williford, a.k.a. Mr. Zach, on the show. Cut up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Zach Williford, a.k.a. Mr. Zach, with us. How you doing, man? Oh, uh, good evening, Daryl. How's everything going? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. So, first, I got this for you. I got some football for you. The Bills, they signed O.J. Howard. What do you think of that? scratching the surface of his potential. He had injury problems in the past. Uh, he comes from a good football, comes from a good football foundation, good football college. Um, he's, he actually hasn't lived up to his potential as of yet. Um, I think I think with, at Tampa with the system they ran with Brock and Bratz, I think um, his touches were down. He wasn't as much as involved, I think I think he'll be more of a. I think he'll be more involved as a Buffalo Bill. I think we actually need him. Um, he's good at he's good at yards after the catch, decent blocker. But like I said, he hasn't scratched the surface of his true potential yet. So Buffalo, he's Buffalo is a chance for him to upgrade his game and up, up, upgrade his his level of play. Uh, because he will be, he will be getting more snaps in Buffalo. He will be getting the ball thrown targets to him in Buffalo. How do you think it's going to work with him and Dawson Knox? Uh, well, you know, he, I mean, it's yet to be seen. Um, 
Is it is his special? Is, does he specialize in blocking? Is is his red zone? Is the red zone his specialty? Um, yards after is, is, is the, after he catches the ball, is, it, is he he's a, he gets good yardage after the catch. Um, so far, it's his, so so far, his only shortcoming is being staying healthy. That makes a big difference, and um. His reps on the field, he'll be getting more reps and more targets here in Buffalo. So it's yet to it's, it's um his he has, his future should be bright, but he has to stay healthy. Now let's get to the other signing that they made. Von Miller going to the Buffalo Bills. What did you think of that? Six year deal. Uh, I think it was a reach by Buffalo. Um a all in a all in type of uh, situation where quite naturally you want to Quite naturally, you want to be a a, a a pressure. You want to pressure off the edge. Um, the pressure off the edge will make the secondary look better. Pressure off the pressure off the edge. Not only does he pressure off the edge, he doesn't overrun the quarterback. He's he's um he boxes he boxes the end. And he stays in contain, so you won't run around his corner. And he's not going to overrun the quarterback. He's a, he's a um upgraded that position. I predict this ten sack a better season. Once he hears that Bills Mafia, he played in front of some loud fans in Denver, but he never heard he never heard nothing like this before. And. uh I think that's trying to get his motor on. It's a, the six-year contract will never probably won't be lived out. Um, this is a win-now situation. That's why he got a lot of upfront money. And I think I think um, his window opportunity is like a three-year window to reach his potential and, and help us get a ring. Why do you at think the age, game? at his at his age is at, at his age? It's still kind of a reach to expect him to play six years. So that's why you think it was a reach. It was the length of the deal, not that they necessarily signed him. So if this was a three-year deal, you wouldn't say this was a reach, correct? Right. Okay. The six years is to probably spread the money out and make it easier on the salary cap. Have the Bills gotten closer to being a Super Bowl team with these two signings? issues are um I know Von, I know Von Miller is um is low he's 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 um he has something to prove he has something to prove but he has nothing to prove if you, if you can understand where I'm coming from uh two-time champion Super Bowl MVP uh multiple Pro Bowls and all pros um he has nothing to prove as an individual. Um, he likes what he sees in our team, and and um, he left. He left. He left uh, California to come to Buffalo. So he he really must see something here. Um, I have to take my hat off to those to those two picks, but I'm very interested to see the return of Jordan Phillips also. 
I think that was I think that was a secret weapon. I, that's he's a secret weapon, and that's a, and and that's an underrated um, that's an underrated player and an underrated pickup. But I think I, I think he's going to be devastating for the Bills. He had ten sacks his last season here. He only went to Arizona because they made him an offer that he could not refuse. Now he's back here where he belongs. But he had to, he had he had to, he had to go get that big paycheck. But uh, quite naturally, you see, he, um, he came back to where he felt most comfortable. He said, "We got the, and uh, I and um, I think I think Phillips was a definitely a good pickup. We just we just we just picked up twenty sacks. <laughs> We're trying to get after Mahomes. We're trying to get after Burrow." Well, I'm gonna tell you. From being from from being a witness, I went to both Kansas City games in person this year. Okay. Yes, you did. The, the 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 pass rush was there. You know wasn't you know what wasn't there? What? The containment. We put the pressure on him, but we never we never boxed it in. He always went around the end. He bought time by running around the end. We we had him cornered a couple times, but we didn't finish the job. We had Tyler Murray finish um, cornered last year. We didn't finish the job. Now we got somebody who finished it. Who's going to finish the job? Jordan Phillips and and Von Miller. Are they going to meet at the quarterback? Oh, it's going to be a party. This move was made. Because they couldn't stop Kansas City in the playoffs. Hopefully these guys can help them stop Kansas City in the playoffs. So, now... Well, Kansas City, Kansas City got to worry about the Raiders and the Chargers right now. Oh, so they don't even need to think about the Bills, is what you're saying. They got to worry about the Raiders and the Chargers. You see the upgrade in the Raiders team right now? <laughs> Devontae Adams. Oh, man, that's a game changer. That's again with the, with with if they can get Jacobs to contribute on the running game, and they already got Waller, they already have Waller, and, and not bringing in Adams. Hmm. That's a one-two-three punch right there. Jacobs, Adams, and Waller. That's a one-two-three punch. Decent quarterback also. Pass protection ain't that great, but Kansas City had to worry about those guys, and and Kansas City lost their best secondary player. Tyron Matthew. Yes, sir. San Diego is an up-and-coming team. We are, we know, we already know about the potential of San Diego. So what we're going to do is now we're going to go to this uh, March Madness. Okay. Uh, St. Peter's beating Kentucky. I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of uh, St. Peter's, and I'm a fan of the coach. Coach Holloway, Coach Holloway is getting the, getting the most out of his players. He pulled off a big upset against Kentucky. He's right from the MAC conference, right here in um, with Canisius and Niagara, in our local area of Buffalo, New York. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's if he's not coaching there after this year. Um, a sweet a sweet sixteen experience usually means he'll be offered a job at a more prestigious university. If it's not this year, it will be soon. How far do you think St. Peter's can go? Okay, well, you, you break down, you break down your bracket, and, and and you see that 
you break down your brackets and you see, you know, the, the opening the opening game, the opening game, uh, two, a, two, a two seed against a 15 seed against Kentucky. Kentucky, Kentucky is talented, but they don't have the tools for uh, NCAA championship because you must have perimeter shooting. Uh, the power to the big man game is, uh, is basically over in college basketball. And you, if you have no perimeter shooters and no court spacing, you're not going to win. And, and Kentucky had neither one. Uh, I, had, I, I actually had Kentucky going out in the second round to Murray State. But Kentucky lost to St. Peter's, and St. Peter's knocked off Murray State. Uh, Purdue was big. And they're quick, and but St. Peter's is quick. Um, on paper, Purdue is a better team. I take St. Peter's to cover the spread, though. They might not win the game. <laughs> <laughs> we see where your mind's at. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know if it's a double-digit uh, numbers or not. Um, uh, I'm not sure on that. And then, you know, that's not really one of the topics of your show. But I'm just saying. Oh no! You're giving some gambling advice. Right. I'm just saying that that matchup, that matchup could go could go south because Big Big Ten basketball is slow and ugly. Uh, your Michigan State, your Purdue's, Minnesota, uh, Iowa—they play ugly. Ground and pound basketball. Um, Iowa was more of a higher scoring team. Michigan has has a better backcourt, but usually Big Ten basketball is low scoring and ugly, and that's why I think St. Peter's has a chance. They're outsized, but I think I think they're they 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 have the heart. They have the heart. Um, and they and they and they have a young upcoming coach with with. You know what I like about him as a coach? What? Now, I don't know if it's going to happen again. But your previous behavior is an indication of your future behavior. And and, and, and his techniques on timeouts, they always, they always execute and score off the timeout. So he is preparing his boys when they come on that court. When he calls a timeout, his out-of-bounds plays have been successful. His timeout plays have been successful. I like I look at that in a coach. When you call a timeout, does your does your team come out and execute right after that timeout, or does, they, does your voice go in one ear and out the other? That's why I was a fan of Mike Woodson because Mike Woodson execute great plays after the timeout. Little things I know about basketball that maybe the average fan don't pay attention to. Uh, this coach is this coach here at St. Peter's runs some excellent plays on timeouts. His team executes off timeout, so that lets you know that he works them in practice, and he has a mind of a point guard. You know, I might be getting carried away with his praise, but hey, when you see something good, you should you should appreciate it. So. NMSU beating UConn in the first round. What did you think of that? They had a guy that scored 37 points. 
I was at the game. He scored every way possible except dunk. He shot fadeaways. He shot off the hips. He shot bankers. He shot runners. He shot free throws. A one man, a one man army. Everybody else just played good D. I wasn't impressed with UConn's big men nor their guards. They had a down year. And you know what else I didn't like? What? Their coach stood on the court the whole damn game. And and the ref never gave him a tech. I have never seen a coach stand on the court the whole game. His foot, his feet were over the line the whole game. Especially when his team went down on defense, he was all the way on the court. They never gave him a warning or they never gave him a tech. I seen Arkansas coach do it and they pulled him to the side and told him to move. And that was in the Arkansas um, game against Vermont. But Bobby Hurley was like a spoiled, um, Coach Hurley was like a spoiled brat. He complained to the ref the whole game and he was on the court the whole game. I didn't like that. And his team sucked. His guard play was terrible. His big men were awful. I don't know how they, I don't know how they got as far as they did. Not impressed. Not impressed by UConn at all. And that's one of the more collegey blue blood teams that we have. Oh, so that's man, they suck. <laughs> uh, they suck. Not, okay. Their guards don't stand out. Their three point shooting was awful. They 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 won. They they won. They won. A, they won some games, but on a big stage, they were not ready. Uh, the NCAA tournament is a tournament for guards, man. If you have a weak backcourt, you go nowhere. That's true. It's very hard to win the tournament that's built off of guard play. You have to have good people, and, good decision makers handling the ball. And they couldn't guard their lunch. They couldn't guard nobody. They, I mean, they. <laughs> boy, oh boy. <laughs> the, the guard. The, 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 the guard. From New Mexico, you have to excuse me. You have to excuse me. Um, because I can't remember this guy's name. Um, he had 37 points, and I, I got my NCAA March Madness program right here. Um, and um, I, I always get a program when I, when I, I'm old. I'm old school like that. I always get. You know, a book with the game because I like that. I like to look at the rosters of the players when I'm when I'm at a game. Um, I like to look at the rosters of the of the players. I like to see who's on the coaching staff. I'm, I'm just like a, um, a a basketball nerd. <laughs> I like all, all that all that kinds of like all that kind of stuff. Um, L M N M N M N Well, how about this too? What about what did you think of the UNC Baylor upset? UNC upsetting Baylor. His name was Teddy Allen. Teddy Allen. Okay. He averages nineteen point three a game, but he he averages nineteen point three a game and seven rebounds a game, and but only two assists. <laughs> <laughs> So you know he puts the ball up. This is a guy. You you have to excuse me, man, because I have a problem when I can't remember someone's name or something. I I I I, I, I 
couldn't sleep at night till I till I found that guy's name out. Now no, I feel better. He didn't even you play know? well enough for you to remember his name, but you did that out of the goodness of your heart. No, but hey, man, when you when when you score thirty seven points in an NCAA tournament game, even if it's luck, you're going to draw some attention. That's true. And as I look at his as I look at his, his stats for the season, he's only a junior, and he's and he has good size. And uh, he should ride the wave. Uh, go for go to the combine and see what see what happens. But um, one more year in college would do, might might do him good. But I, I was impressed by his game. Now the second game he didn't do much. He had like nine points, but I see potential in the thirty-seven. I like his release. I like his body control. Now, in terms of Baylor, UNC Baylor was the first one C to go down. What did you think? You're a North Carolina man. What did you think of the upside? Too physical. Too physical. We bullied them. We pushed them around. The time he was pushed them around. And the referees let us get away with it. <laughs> yeah, we got a few calls that game. Um, But, but if you think about it, I will tell you, it, it almost went bad because during that game, Carolina was a double-figure lead. Most Carolina was up double digits in the, in the um, second half, and and they, and they looked like they was going to run away with the game. And then Brady Maddox comes in with an elbow and bows the guy in the face. He gets ejected, and they blow a seventeen-point lead. I, th- I think they would have blew Baylor out the game if the, if the big guy didn't get ejected. Um. I don't know if he's a, it was a dirty play or frustration play, but um, it, it, it was a bad play. Um, R.J. Davis is playing over his head. Um, he's out of New York. He, uh, R.J. Davis played a hell of a game. Um, but um, Baycott, the power forward, the center, he dominated in the paint down the stretch. Um, Carolina shot bad free throws. Um, Carolina might be peaking at the right time, though. Imagine that. Is can UNC be a Final Four team? They they came on strong at the end of the season. They upset Coach K's last game ever. Uh, sure did. Sure did. Is, is this a Final Four team? Oh boy. They want. They want to be. They're one of the higher teams in the tournament. I don't see UCLA beating them. I don't see UCLA beating them. I don't see Purdue or St. Peter's beating them. So they are a Final Four team. And that'd be props for you I know, said it right here. I said it right here. And, and that and that'd be big for a program who is going into their first year without the great Roy Williams roaming the sideline. So that's great for the program that they can potentially make a Final Four run at this, right? I mean, that's that's they struggled at the beginning of the year. They got it together, and they're playing hard, tough basketball. Uh, their 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 um their guard play has really improved. Um, Michigan State. Oh, well, we're about to get to that, too. Michigan State and Duke. Right. Izzo versus Coach K. Tom versus Mike. North Carolina versus Michigan. ACC versus Big Ten here. What did you think? 
to iconic coaches and programs? Um, Michigan State has been suffering with, la- with they've been suffering with la- with with uh, lack of team speed and athletic ability. You ask me. Um, they they like those slow they like those slow players, um, cloudy type of players, not very athletic. Um, they did some good outside shooting in that in that in that game, um, but uh, down the stretch, uh, the, ta- the talent, the talent, um, took, the talent took over. Down the stretch, the talent took over. I mean, even if you look at Michigan State's team, man, over the year, that the, that their leading score on the average like twelve points. To, to that team lacks offense, man. And and that, and that, and that's gonna take them down every time, man. Um, their outside shooter, he man, he he basically carried them. Um, and he actually played over his head. Gabe Brown shot the lights out that game. I got to give it to him. Did you like how he was shooting? He was shooting it well. Oh, uh, he shot it very well. But he, but you know, he averages twelve points. They they their offense is their offense is down and uh. I think Michigan's gonna. I don't know. Michigan State is just, you know, they, they're boring. They, they'll put you to sleep. They'll put you to sleep. They, they. I don't. Um. The best team won in that game between Duke and Michigan. State. Is there anything Michigan State can do to improve their offense? Excuse me. Is there anything Michigan State can do to improve their offense? Team speed, up tempo basketball. Is that something you think Coach Izzo would be interested in implementing? Well, you well you you got you coach to the style of players that you have, and he recruits to the style of game that he runs. He recruits slow guys. He recruits guys that's not flashy. Um, he recruits uh, plain game type of players. Not no flashy players does, does, does he recruit? Uh, he recruits boring players. You ask me. Solid basketball players, but huh, look, none of them do. They all stink when they get to the pros. Who was the last guy from Michigan State that did something in the pros? Drake Draymond. Yeah, that's one. That's I mean, ten years he's been in at least. Draymond might be ten years in right now, right? Yeah, just about. Twenty twelve, he came to league. Twenty twelve, I think. So. I, I can't think of no one since then. Denzel Valentine? Once again, I can't think of no one. <laughs> <laughs> you know? The, the, it's, it's, it's the, now I know I know you asked a question, but I got a question for you. Okay. The coach for Loyola, Maryland, Loyola, Chicago, is that Valentine's brother? Uh, I don't know, actually. That's a good question. They look just alike. <laughs> Hey, seriously, seriously. I don't think so. You know, you know. When I first looking at him, I was like, Denzel's got coaching now. And I thought I saw the Valentine name. Wait, my okay, Miles Bridges. Oh yeah, he's good. He's good. Okay, he's good. <laughs> See, we, we we got a few for you. We got a few for but you. My, but Miles Bridges, Miles Bridges is a is a forward, not a, not a creator. He's just an athletic guy. He's pretty big. Um. 
Actually, he's getting better as a pro than he was in college, you ask me. Because he didn't have the outside shot in college. He had. He was just bigger than everybody else. Okay, how about this? I got a couple other names for you. Gary Harris? Gary Harris was Michigan. I don't think he was Michigan State. No, he was Michigan State. He was? Yes. Yeah, he's, he's all right. He's all right. How about Jaron Jackson Jr.? Okay, okay, okay. He's, he has a few athleticism. Well, you have to excuse me, uh, Coach Izzo. But I, I'm, I still wasn't very. I, well, maybe let me let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Are any of those players guards? No. Yeah, that's what I mean. His guards suck. So. <laughs> I, I, I was gonna give you. I was gonna give you another name who was a guard, but he, he his NBA success. I was gonna mention Cassius Winston, but his NBA success wasn't. You know. Did he even make it? He was a second round pick. Did he? Did he? He was a good college guard, though. You have to admit, he was a good college guard. Yeah, yeah, a step slow, a step slow, yeah. two steps, two steps slow. <laughs> he wasn't an NBA player. He wasn't. An, I, uh, uh, you know what? In the right system, he could have been a Mario Chalmers type. You know? No, that's fair. That's fair. In a in a, in a right system, you know, Mario Chalmers kind of reminded me of him a little bit. Um, if you can remember, you know. Him, him back in college. You know, um, he only shot it when he had to. He really didn't look for a shot enough. But, okay. I, you, 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 you hit me with a few um, Michigan State um, alumni. But, um, like Jaron Jackson, his, his game is, his game is, his game is still on the rise, you know. And, uh, He's a future all-star. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And they come next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We are going to talk some NBA. Come next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we still have Mr. Zach with us. So, LeBron James officially number two all-time in the history of the National Basketball Association in all-time points. He passed Carl Malone this past weekend. What does this say about LeBron's legacy? It's just a tribute to his consistency. <clears throat> Keyword. Day in, day out, grind, 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 grind. It's a tribute to his consistency. The sacrifices he made to keep himself in shape. The sacrifices and the time he puts in in the gym. It's a tribute, man. You go back in basketball history... And you look at, and you look at, and you go, to, you go go back in last Wednesday, and you look, and you look up, and you, and it, and and you see Kareem Jabari at the top of the list. As a young man, as a young kid, Will Chamberlain was at the top of every list, right? And those, and those records seemed like they were never reachable. Then all 
all of a sudden, man, instead of playing 10 and 12 years, guys that's playing 15 and 20 years now. Um, rare breeds are rare. It's rare breeds that are doing it. Um, but like I say, it's a tribute to his and a testament to his consistency and his work ethic and his paying off year after year after year. Uh, he's adding little things to his game. Uh, he's improved on his three-point shot. His efficiency on his fadeaway is is, is nice. Um, he's a decent he's a decent passer, but he's looking to score more. He has his eye on that title. He has his eye on that all-time scoring title. Something I thought would never be broken. It's, it's coming down. Why didn't you think it'll be broken? Who will play long enough? I mean, who would play long enough and, and, and stay and, and play at that high level for as long as he did? Um, Kareem's last five years, he probably didn't average over 20 points. He didn't have to. You know? He, didn't, he really didn't have to. I mean, he was a career 28, 29, 30-point score when he had to. But he had such a balanced attack where his scoring wasn't as necessary uh, his leadership was was more necessary, and as and 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 the way they handled the clock in the half court offense, when the clock got down to five seconds, we knew what, we knew where it was going. The most unstoppable force in basketball history. But with the training, that diet, the 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 um. The hot treat, the hot tub, cold tub, and all these other treatments that they do uh, to sustain themselves for, for basketball, for longevity in their sport. Uh, they say LeBron James spends like a million dollars on trainers and all these different medicines and all this stuff a year just to keep himself in shape. I mean, hey, um, to catch Kareem's bias is to catch Kareem. Uh, um, scoring record it takes day in and day out of excellence time served <laughs> time served is going on is going on what 17 and what 17 years how many years since 04 okay 18 years okay and uh he's making the game look easy imagine if he had a couple teammates on the same page whoo we might, we might we might tear down a couple more rings, but you know, maybe maybe um, that that part of has passed us by because one man can't be five. Uh, chemistry is not there for our team, for the Lakers. Uh, we 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 got guys like Isaiah Thomas coming for a ten day contract. He leaves. Here comes Augustine. All these that's not Laker business, man. That's not Laker business. That's a slap in the face to the Lakers organization and history. Bringing in these, bringing in these gradly guys off the street and, they, and making them a part of our team. That's how bad we've become. Them guys not Lakers, man. Them is like spare tires. That's what we got now. It's a, it's, 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 it's a shame. And, uh... Magic Johnson should have been running the Lakers, man. 
Why do you say that? Magic. <laughs> hey, when you when you start speaking names like that, then you don't even have to say his last name. <laughs> he's a one he's a one name person. He's a one name person. Magic. Michael. Kareem. Brady. You don't have to say their whole name. Those guys are in a class by themselves. The one name wonders. <laughs> yeah. Um, you saying? Yeah, they're they're, they're uh, icons in their sports. Yeah, when you start mentioning, well, yeah, when you can do a bird, when you when you can just say one name, that's when you know they at. That's they you. at man, yes sir, yes sir, yes sir. Tiny, I mean, I mean, they that the doc. I mean, they they they. It's just it's just like that, you know. Uh, that that over. That's just. It's just something that happens over the course of time, and as you sit back and then you admire greatness, and and as you as as you watch your sporting events and your games that you live or on TV, or and and now you know, and now like, um, they'll put a highlight package together. That you don't even have to watch the whole game. They'll put a highlight package together of just all the buckets this guy made during the game. <laughs> Nothing else, just his buckets. I mean, so you, it's so much information you can pick up on on sports now, and and the and the game and the game is uh moving right along. The old guys are going. The old guys are being replaced by the new guys. The old forwards are being replaced by the new forwards. But basketball is still striving. They're just, they're just playing the game differently. LeBron James is a testament to a man that play can play basketball. With a high IQ, a high talent level, and he stays healthy. Hey, the sky's the limit. I, I I thought I'd never see that record come down, but it's coming down. If he's if if he stays healthy for next year. Did you ever think Kobe had a chance to break it? Oh, uh, he started too late. He started too late. Kobe started putting up big buckets, big points, probably like his third year. But before that, he was like averaging in the low twenties. Uh, Kobe became a more of a score, super scorer later in his career. Um, I don't know if he, I don't know if he ever led the league in score, maybe once, twice, twice. Okay. Oh okay. six and oh seven. I think he averaged like thirty one, and the other year was a thirty five. And those, I think I, I think that's when Phoenix was was spanking them in the playoffs. Yes, and Steve Nash was back to back MVPs. Steve yeah, Nash around, around that time. Um, no, I, I never thought Kobe. I never I never looked at Kobe like that. Um, at what point for you he, were he, you he, like he grew, Kobe? Kobe grew on me. Oh, he grew on even you. Why did he grow on you? Even though even though I liked the Lakers, I was an Iverson man too. And after what uh, Iverson did to Ty Lue? Oh, man, I mean, <laughs> I mean it's, just something, it's just something special about that guy, you know? He, even when you play it against him, you still clap for him, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's just how it is. <laughs> he, even when you play it against him, I had to clap for him. And I, 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 I love this game. I love this game. I love this heart. So in 01, you were with the Sixers. If he, hey man, he never played. He ne- he he never had a decent. He never had a decent. 
he never had a decent teammate in his whole career. He never played with another All-Star. Now these guys is playing with three and four All-Stars on the same team. He never played with an All-Star. Matama was a fading All-Star, if you want to count that. But Allen never played with an All-Star. Aaron McKee? He never made All-Star. Stackhouse was an All-Star, but not when he played with the Sixers. Well, Aaron McKee won Sixth Man of the Year, I think, one of those years. Yeah, yeah. Well, Aaron McKee won Sixth Man of the Year. Iverson won MVP. Um, Theo Ratliff won Defensive Player of the Year. That's the year they went to the championship. They 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 all won they all won uh, individual awards. It didn't like Larry Brown when Coach of the Year was something like that. Larry Brown was Coach of the Year, um, and um, Ratliff got hurt and they brought him a topo midseason. Theo Ratliff, um, but you know I, I I know this topic is not about Iverson, but I just think he, he and then and then at the end at the end you know he didn't treat himself right. He played basketball. He played basketball. But uh, he's off the court and all those other things. He wore he wore himself out. He could have played probably longer. He he refused to come off the bench or be a substitute. So you know he did it his way, like Frank Sinatra. <laughs> yeah, Iverson did it his way. So not, I mean, he's one of my favorites of all times. I didn't say the best of all time. I said one of my favorites. When in LeBron's career were you like he has a chance to pass Kareem? Just lately. Just lately. So even a few years ago, you weren't thinking that this was going to happen. I never thought he'd play long enough. I never thought he'd play long enough. You know? And if he did play long enough, I didn't see him sustaining this level of excellence. But I don't don't see a drop-off. It's going to take a a hell of an injury or something to take his game down. Um, He's outsmarting his opponent. He's, He's developing... The three-point accuracy. Um, he's not had much physical contact as far as a driving to the hoop. He's shooting fadeaways. Um, hey, he can easily play two, three more years. He can play five years. He's gonna, he's gonna take that record and, and make a, and he's just gonna make a mess out of it. <laughs> and, and that's crazy uh, for you to think because can you just explain to people? Because some people have never seen Curry play what Kareem meant to the game and who Kareem really was because I think when people, people, this is no small feat passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, well, you're just looking at basketball. You're just looking at um, uh, an awe of excellence. Uh, people people took him for granted. People, people assumed that he was lazy. You know what it was? He was graceful, man. He made things look easy. He was intense when he had to be, but he was graceful, man. He was he was graceful on the court. He was he was like a, he was just gliding around the court, man. His shot, his release was just beauty in motion. It, 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 it was like it was like ballet watching him, his footwork and his spinning ability. You know, um, a great free throw shooter, good pass off the double team, and the way he shot free throws. In this area, he probably, I think he shot one three in his whole career. That probably was a bet he probably made with somebody. You know? Kareem Shabazz shot one three in his life, in his career. Um, I thought the record was untouchable. Uh, 
just like O.J. Simpson, 2003 yards. I thought that was untouchable. It is. It still is untouchable. Um, some records I just thought were untouchable. Um, but like I said, I didn't see, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't vision no one plan for this long. I mean, that this this is um, some extraordinary things that's happening when you can play ball for that long at this type type of level. So I, I have to salute LeBron James, and, and we just gonna sit back and watch the show. He's probably gonna end early. Well, also, also he can pass everybody in playoff scoring too, right? Yes, he has. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> he's just gonna pad the board now. And I believe he's seventh all time in total assists and like twentieth in rebounds, something like that. I mean, hey, hey, man, uh, God. He, he was he was gifted with the size with the body uh strength and then he then and then a lot of guys are born big and strong and fast but he put in he put in the work to make it to make it happen and uh hey i'm 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 proud to have i'm i'm proud and thankful to have witnessed it because i used to go to cleveland i i used to go to i used to go to cleveland at least <laughs> I think at least go to two uh, ten games a year when he was there. So uh, I got to see a lot of him in action. Him and Kyrie, him and um, him and Kyrie in action. That was a, that was a beautiful combination. Just just imagine if if they just would have added a few pieces and they could have stayed together. But you know, it was it was there was meant there was um problems behind the scenes or whatever, but it, it didn't work out. I think um, when it's when it, when it, when it's all said and done, he'll go down as the he, he he'll go he'll go down as the hmm, the highest score. The high he won't win the most championships, but he'll and he'll leave as one of the highest scores and highest assist men and. Highest rebounder for his position, you know. He'll go down as one of the best all-around basketball players you've ever seen. Oh yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think, I think he has the Magic Johnson basketball IQ with better athletic ability. He has all the Magic Johnson tools. Um. But he wasn't fortunate enough to play with the talent that Magic played with until he until maybe about five years, what about eight years in? Yeah, with D Wade and Bosch and A D yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Kyrie um, and K Love. Yes. Right, right. I mean he, he he didn't he didn't get a chance to showcase his his with with those type of guys. Um he had four had to force you know he he was forcing force feeding and passes to guys trying to get him involved and people wanted him to shoot and be a be a one man bomber but that's just not his style. He's just he's a naturally a team oriented guy. If they if they were on a winning team he wouldn't average twenty nine he'd average at his age he'd probably be averaging like twenty or twenty twenty two. If he had a well rounded team he wouldn't have to score thirty a game. And uh, the only weak part of LeBron James' game to me is his free throw shooting. If I, I mean, if when you if you if you want to get picky about it, I mean, 
That's only that's the that's only one of his weaknesses is free throw shooting. As a young man, his one of his weaknesses was being not being selfish enough. But he would try to bring his teammates along with him because he knew he couldn't win it by himself. So when Cleveland wouldn't get him get him the proper guys to work with, he had to go find him. He had to go out on his own and explore. He got too big for one town. The whole he had to give a little dose of that to the whole NBA. Took a little to the West Coast. Took 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 some to the dirty South. Then he came back to Cleveland. So anybody in this world who's listening to this show at this point has a LeBron James story, but it's it's it's. It's hard for me to figure out why people don't like him so much. Uh, my father was old school basketball. He wasn't a big LeBron fan. He liked Durant. And uh, well, Durant's we more aesthetically guys. pleasing to watch. Huh? Durant's more aesthetically pleasing to watch. Um, in my father's eyes, he didn't cry to the refs all the time. <laughs> That's also another reason. <laughs> That word you just said, my father couldn't have thought of that word. <laughs> See, I had to catch my, I had to think about it for a minute. <laughs> Aesthetically. It's not as graceful. It's not as graceful. I understand. I understand. Yeah, yeah. I understand. I went to Kinderson High School, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, it's, it's been a pleasure to ride with this LeBron James thing, you know. Through the losses, the wins, losses. Um, I'm disappointed with how things are turning out now. Um, you interviewed me in the beginning of the basketball season, and then I had them going to the finals, beating the Dallas Mavericks in the Western Finals. I'm quite sure that's what I had, and I had and I had um, uh, Brooklyn, and I had Brooklyn facing um, the Lakers in the finals. I had Brooklyn winning. I had Brooklyn winning in seven. If Kyrie came, if Kyrie wasn't there, Lakers in six. That, that, that's not going to happen now. Kyrie won't be in the finals, and neither will LeBron. Yeah, that's something. Well, Mr. Zach, I want to thank you for coming on the pod, man. I appreciate it. The final four. The final four. Yes. And Next Sunday we will be talking about it. Yes. Calm I down. have, um, you know, everyone, everyone has their brackets and their little, 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 um, pools that they make and they fill out their little brackets and things like that. And, um, so, so far, so far, I still, I still got three teams, um, in a race. I got Kansas. My final four was Kansas, Tennessee, Gonzaga, and Purdue. Okay. So um, I lost. I lost one soldier during it so far. Uh, Tennessee, and uh, I got still got. I still got three horses in the race. Um, I got to apologize to my um, North Carolina Tire Heels to. To my whole Tire Hill franchise, please forgive me. 
I had a laugh when I took Purdue to beat us. I took Purdue to win the Final Four. I mean, to be in the Final Four for my bracket. Um, I hate to say it, but I had Baylor taking North Carolina out early. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. So I'm bringing Carolina Blue to take it all this year, baby. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You'll see Michael Jordan, James Worthy. Uh, uh, Kenny Smith, they all, all of them will be at the game when they, when they hit the New Orleans this year. Thanks again for coming on. All right. And once again, I want to thank Mr. Zach for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 408th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. <laughs>